Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hey, I'm not sure if you heard, but Kenny Pickett's a starting quarterback. <laughs> Man, does that sound good. Hey, everyone, I hope you're having a fantastic week. I know it's been a tough one since the Pittsburgh Steelers took another loss, now one in three. But there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Welcome back to State of the Steelers. You're behind the steel curtain. Uh, one of your behind the steel curtain podcasts on their family, a podcast. I'm your host, Daniel J. And. Today, we're tackling a pretty tough question, an optimistic question. Can Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers pull off the miracle in Orchard Park tomorrow when they take on the heavily favored Buffalo Bills? Well, that's going to be an uphill climb for sure. But before we get into the offense and we talk about the keys to victory, which we'll go over in the second half of the show, I think right now we need to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers defense and the huge concern that's going into this game. It's, it's definitely a big one. You know, if you look at the uh, across the board, especially in the defensive uh, backfield, yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers are, are, are going into this game very crippled. You look at for one, the Pittsburgh Steelers are missing their reigning defensive player of the year in TJ Watt. Uh, you know, he's still on the IR. He'll be, eligible to start practicing after this game i'm i'm for one hoping that he comes in as soon as possible the pittsburgh steelers have shown and they've just plain out cannot win without him you know basically have not won a game without him in the lineup since he's been a member of the pittsburgh steelers that's that's insane 
That is insane. But you have your starting cornerback, Akilah Weatherspoon, not ruled out, but Mike Tomlin did say you can basically count him out for this game with a hamstring. Levi Wallace showed up on the uh, injury report with a foot. You have Cam Sutton, who's also dealing with a groin and a hamstring. Terrell Edmonds is still limited participant in the concussion protocol. You know, he's going to be, you know, by the time you hear this, this recorded a couple of days ago. But by the time you hear this, we'll, we'll probably know whether or not Edmonds is going to be a go. But at this point, you know, it's still up in the air. You know, Chris, Chris Warmly showed up with an ankle. Minka Fitzpatrick has been limited with a knee. Cam Hayward has been dealing with an ankle and an elbow, an ankle that was so severely, it was reported that he took an x-ray on it after the game. Now, I'm very concerned. When you look across the board with who they're playing against in the Buffalo Bills, it's going to be a tough game. It definitely is. And, you know, there's reasons why, in my opinion, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 14-point dogs in this game, and it has really not much to do with the offense, in my opinion. It has more to do with this defense. This defense is fatigued. It's tired. It's missing some of their leaders. Their leaders are injured and battered. They spent a lot of time on the field, uh, especially early on in the season when they played the likes of the Cincinnati Bengals and had 100 snaps things of that nature. But when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and you look at at the defense, you know, there's a little bit of hope there. You have Alex Highsmith who's playing at an all-time high, pulling off sack after sack after sack, pressure after pressure. You know, he he hits he hit Zach Wilson so many times in this last game. You know, had he had he taken him down, that would have been a career game. He probably could have had somewhere around 4 four sacks in that game. He was a, he was out of control. The only thing is, you know, the escapability of Zach Wilson, he got away. And now they're playing against a quarterback who, whose escapability and is a, a extremely used in the running game. My opinion, the Pittsburgh Steelers need to treat him like a running back when he decides to run and make him not want to run the ball. But it's going to be a, a, a very high, you know, uphill climb in this in this game. When you look at the Buffalo Bills, you have Josh Allen, who's only thrown three interceptions, over ten touchdowns, and, and is running the ball extremely well. You know, our middle linebackers are going to have to maintain integrity and 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 be sound and play sound mind and. And not be sloppy. I mean, if if because it's been it's been done in the past that a mobile quarterback who isn't named Lamar Jackson has taken advantage of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you can go all the way back to the uh, uh, well, I can't even remember his name. the The Bengals quarterback when Joe Burrow got out, that guy ran on us as well, or the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm sorry. You know, and so when you look at the injuries across the board. It is extremely concerning because the Buffalo Bills are a team that wants to pass the ball, and when you're injured on the, uh, you know, in the defensive back, I think he's going with so many injuries in the defensive backfield. He's going to target uh, those defensive corners. Uh, Levi Wallace has looked like 
He's been a uh, a liability in the in the uh, as a corner. So is Arthur Mallette. You know, there's some huge concerns here, especially for the cornerbacks. And with Akila Witherspoon out for who knows, maybe another couple of weeks. It's concerning. Uh, the Buffalo Bills can run away with this with this game. You know, it's um, it's it's going to be tough, guys. It's going to be tough. The Josh Allen is is he's strong. He reminds me of a young Ben Roethlisberger and and Stephon Diggs. He's he's a guy that that he can take over games. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have to double team him. They're going to have to pressure uh, Josh Allen with only four. And, you know, outside of Alex Highsmith, the outside linebackers have been non-existent. Malik Reed has, I haven't seen him on the field. I've not noticed him. I've seen him in the lineup. I've seen him come on the field, but I've not noticed him. I've not seen him make any, any notable tackles or, or, make it a notable play or or be a disruptor on a play uh, since he's been a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's been quite disappointing. Jameer Jones is is much of the same. Tyson Alualu hasn't played well. He got demoted for Martavius Adams, which he's played fairly good, fairly well when he's been in the lineup. Chris Wormley is another guy, in my opinion, who's who struggled this year so far especially against the run. Fortunately, the Buffalo Bills are a team that like to pass the ball. And so the things that, that what has killed the Pittsburgh Steelers defense in the last couple of games is conditioning at the end of the game where there's a running back who is taking control. You can go back to the Patriots loss. And that was kind of the situation. Yeah. Zach Wilson in this recent game kind of, you know, in the fourth quarter, he looked, he looked like an NFL quarterback. He was staying away from Minka targeting Arthur Mallette and allowing his running game to get down the field. Even in the last minutes of the game, scoring a touchdown with hardly any time on the clock. Pittsburgh Steelers need to turn that around. The defense, in my opinion, they didn't have an excuse last week. They had the they weren't on the field for very long. It was it was fairly even. I believe it was 30 minutes and one second to 29 minutes and 58 seconds or something like that. And not to mention the Pittsburgh Steelers had a 10-day break between the Cleveland Browns loss and this last loss to the uh, New York Jets, pushing them down to one and three. But fortunately for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the rest of the AFC North hasn't fared too well this season. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are only one game behind the rest of the teams in the AFC, AFC North. You know, if the Pittsburgh Steelers can pull an upset and, and pull the miracle off, then, I mean, that would, I mean, that would do amazing. That'd be amazing, especially for the confidence of the rookie. But this is going to be a definitely tough, tough hill to climb, which, you know, in my opinion, I don't 
I love the fact that Kenny Pickett got in the game, and I love the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers are starting him. I just don't understand why they didn't start him before, you know, at least prior, you know, for the Jets game. You had 10, 10 days to prepare for that game, to put him in a stadium, to to have a game plan, to to have an offense tailored around him, and then, you know, build some confidence going into this game against the Buffalo Bills team who is a team that, by all means, most are predicting to be the representative for the AFC in the Super Bowl. It's, you know, I I've, I don't live in my fears, and I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers do either, and I don't think that, you know, it doesn't matter the competition, but I just don't understand that if there is an up, you know, more optimal meaning or, or time for him to, to to play, and if you're only two quarters away from from putting him in, I mean, he, he was drafted in the first round for a reason. The Pittsburgh Steelers, this guy was going to be, for them, this is their guy. This is the their future. He showed up in, in preseason, and in this last game, he showed up as well. I just don't understand why they didn't start him. But we'll get into Kenny Pickett into, <laughs> in the second half of this show. But yeah, when it comes to the uh, the Bills offense, I think that the Bills offense is going to score some points in this game. You know, it's going to be they're going to score probably high 20s, 30s, or I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I'd probably be more surprised if it's less than 30 points scored on this defense. Larry Ogunjobi's doing fairly well. I think this might be the first game, though, where we see uh, Loudermilk play. I think he'll be playing not for Larry Ogunjobi, but alongside Larry Ogunjobi, and I think that's going to be a good thing. I think seeing Leal in there, um, Loudermilk, who has been a guy who's been known to, you know, have a better, be better against the run defense, against as being a run defender. You know, I think he's going to take place of Chris Wormley who's been dealing with the ankle injury, as we mentioned earlier. And I think the Pittsburgh Steelers really need him to come in. I mean, there's the, the offense, the defensive line is, is, I mean, you look at Cam Hayward, he's, he's extremely hurt. Uh, Chris Wormley and, and in my, in my opinion, and also Tyson Alawalu have played, you know, below the line compared to what the expectation or the standard is for their level of play. So maybe getting louder milk in there, somebody who can defend the run, especially when, you know, the the opposition has been running the ball down the throat of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the late part of games when when it counts. And which reminds me also, guys, the Pittsburgh Steelers need to get their their stuff together on third down. What it's like the further away the the sticks are, the the likelier it, it, the 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 opposition is going to get a first down. This needs to stop. I'm not sure who's at fault for this. If it's Tara Austin, if it's you know Brian Flores or 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 whoever, but there needs to be something done. This is insane. The amount of third downs that were converted, especially past seven yards, it, it, it's insane. Th- that needs to come to a stop. I don't know if it's a discipline thing. I'm not sure if it's what it is, but that needs to come to a stop. I'm sure everybody can agree with me on that one. Uh, it's like 
they get into a third down and long situation, the, the opposition, and you, you're like, man, well, normally we would think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are getting off the field at this time, and yet that's not happening. It really isn't, and and it's starting to get that's starting to get super frustrating. This is something that, in my opinion, has been a uh, an Achilles heel for the Steelers defense for some time, especially especially when T.J. Watt is not in the lineup. And T.J. Watt's not going to be in the lineup this game. It's unsure if he's going to be in the lineup before the the bye. You know, I think this is a very important game. I think if the Pittsburgh Steelers find a way to win this game, maybe T.J. Watt comes back sooner. However, if the Pittsburgh Steelers lose this game, drop this game, maybe perhaps T.J. Watt waits another week, Steelers drop another one, we may not see him until he's 100% healthy or, or back from the bye. And... And given the track record the Pittsburgh Steelers have without T.J. Watt, that would be devastating for this year. It's going to be an uphill climb, guys, stopping this this team, stopping Josh Allen. But you know there are some some injuries on the uh, on the on the Buffalo Bills side as far as the the running backs go. I mean the wide receivers go. You're looking at Jamison Crowder, who I believe he broke his ankle or had a severe ankle injury. I'm not sure why he's not on the injured reserve, but it was rumored he would be on there. But he's probably not going to be playing in this game. He's going to be out. Gabe Davis has been a full participant, so he's probably going to be back in the lineup for this game. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, he's a speedster guy. He's a guy that I would keep my eyes on. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been known to make a name out of a third receiver that nobody knows about because they're, you know, concerned about a main guy, so to speak. And in this situation, going up against Stephon Diggs, uh, it's going to be kind of uh, one of those situations where they're going to have to double him and keep, you know, eyes on him. And so that may lead for an unfavorable matchup between a speedster and a Arthur Mallette or on a linebacker. We've all seen that several times. Uh, he's been limited in concussion, however, I was going through some of the Bills media just to kind of get some information on them. And apparently he's in good spirits and was seen dancing on the sidelines in practice and things of that nature. So uh, I expect him to probably be a guy unless there's a, a setback that's going to be playing. But, you know, they are injured. Their offensive line has also had a couple of injuries. Um you know, currently they have uh, Justin Murray, who's been a limited pr- participant with their with their foot. Uh, but their their offensive line hasn't. You know, when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive line, majority of them, I think, except for Mason Cole, have played every snap. And he and at that, Mason Cole has only missed like I think it was two snaps. So um, the Steelers have grown. They've have that chemistry, so to speak. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are liking that here in a, in a, in a couple of areas, but. Uh, they're still a strong team. They're still a strong team um, and, and a difficult one. It's going to be a tough battle. Vegas doesn't choose a team to be a two-point favorite, I mean a two-touchdown favorite for, for no reason. But I think there's a way that the Pittsburgh Steelers can you know, win this game, and we'll get, we'll get into that in the second part. Don't go anywhere. That's what we'll be talking about next. I'll see you here in a few minutes. I'll see you on the other side.
Hey, look at that. You made it to the other side. The side that normally is about the defense, but because of the way that this game is kind of going out, I wanted to flip it around. But before we get into that, I just want to tell everybody, and, and as being the newest kid on the block, so to speak, for the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast family, I uh, just want to remind everybody there are sh- there are other shows that also come out earlier in the week that I'm sure you guys would are already listening to and subscribe to. But if you're not, go check them out. You have, you know, uh, Jeff Hartman with the uh, Let's Ride podcast that airs out a few times a week. Uh, he has a mailbag where you get to ask, ask him questions and he'll answer them off of his Twitter. Go check that out. That's a lot of fun. I've asked him a couple questions here and there. Um, you have Dave Schofield with the uh, the Stat Geek, and he kind of goes over a lot of the stats that goes on in the game and and gives you a different perspective of, you know, well, gives you the numbers and, and the real, you know, the numbers don't lie, so to speak. And so it's a very interesting show, and I'm sure you guys would love it if you guys aren't hearing it. And also you have Bad Language with Brian Anthony Davis, uh, you know, and several other ones. Uh, those are those are the three that I, I really listen to on a uh, on a weekly basis, and of course I always watch their entire lineup, of the behind the steel curtain lineup on on YouTube, where they have a live show once or twice a day, every day except for Saturday. So, you know, go check it out, go follow and subscribe. In fact, I was on the on the bro uh, Big Brosco show this past Tuesday with David Schofield filling in for Big Brosco. And so it was a great conversation that me and Dave had. We talked a little bit of football, talked about the Steelers, talked about Kenny Pickett. And we had a conversation after the show, too, that probably went longer than what the show was. So <laughs> he's a great guy. Me and him, we, when we get talking about Steelers football, we get talking. So uh, go check those things out. It was an awesome conversation. Uh, you don't want to miss it. But let's get back to let's get back to why everybody's here. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Let's talk about keys of victory. Let's talk about Kenny Pickett. So before we get into this game, I want to talk a little bit about the last game against the New York Jets and and Kenny Pickett's performance and his entrance into the game. I, for one, was extremely surprised, guys. I had no idea that he was coming in. I had, you know, I was, in fact, at halftime, I I didn't think to myself that um, that Mr. Trubisky lost this this uh, this battle in the game. I thought that the uh, Deontay Johnson played more of a factor as to why. The Pittsburgh Steelers were losing and not up. You know, you look at the uh, the interception that came off of his hands and also the, uh, you know, his toe wasn't in. And the game's a matter of inches, and and he was he was out, and it was a difficult pass to also, I mean, a difficult catch and also keep your feet in bounds, but that's why, the, you know, you get paid the big bucks to do so. And so with that being said, I, I felt that Mitch Trubisky didn't do enough to lose the job. So when the second half came out and, and the uh, sideline reporter started talking about, you know, talking to Mike Tomlin. He wouldn't confirm or deny if uh, Kenny Pickett was going to be coming into the game. I was kind of confused by that at first. It's like, man, that's odd. And so, you know, the uh, the Jets proceeded to get the ball first and then punted the ball. And and in my opinion, Gunnar Olszewski also punted his opportunity in the same play when he fumbled the ball. And Justin Pierre fortunately was there to recover, which was crazy because he was amongst like four jets when he picked up the ball. But nevertheless, fortunately for him, he was able to do so. And it was announced at that point, you know, after the break that Kenny Pickett was going to come in. I I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. This was a, uh, a game up to that point where I don't even think I 
stood up from my chair. I had my notebook with me. I was writing down some notes and things, you know, for my personal show that I have on YouTube, State of the Steelers as well. And, you know, I was writing my notes and <laughs> I see Kenny Pickett coming in. I jump up. I'm wearing my Color Rush Fire Move jersey. I run to my closet, switch it out for my Kenny Pickett 8 jersey and come in and I'm jumping up and down, waving my terrible towel, yelling, Kenny, 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 excited as, as anybody can be. And the first play, four plays are runs. <laughs> no surprise there. I was I was anticipating something like that. I I wasn't surprised. I was surprised they was in, but no surprise in the play call at that moment. I kind of wish the Pittsburgh Steelers would have stuck with that later on in the game, and we'll, we'll get more into that. But you know, watching him play, and yeah, I understand his first pass as a professional, you know, football uh, as a professional quarterback in the NFL on a pass that counts was intercepted. However. Let's talk about that pass. You know, he's throwing it to Chase Claypool, who's six foot four, uh, 230 plus pounds, uh, over a five foot eight safety. You know, if you watch it, there's there's free frames out there of of the play and where people have taken pictures and and you see the safety already past Claypool. The ball is still in the air and and he has a tendency of not high pointing the ball not catching with his hands. In my opinion, Claypool likes to catch the ball into his body as he's falling down, giving the defensive back or the safety there an opportunity to deflect the ball. There's falling into the hands of the uh, safety who was falling behind them or following behind them. I think, you you know, when you look at the other players that were on the field or the other routes that were on the field and you look at the coach's film, it's not the worst idea or the worst thought to pass the ball in that situation to Claypool, especially given the matchup that he was in. However, you know, it was a little bit um, short or underthrown, things of that nature. But I think he gave his guy an opportunity to to make a catch. And yet again, Chase Claypool just – it's frustrating, you know. It's just frustrating that a man that size with with the intangibles that he has, the speed and the strength that – he plays so small. It's it's unfortunate. But it is what it is, and Kenny Pickett got his first pass as an interception. And, and what I noticed, though, when he did come back into the game was he took command. He didn't let that interception destroy him. You know, there's been several times when you go back to 2019, you look at the likes of Mason Rudolph or, or Duck. Uh, well, maybe not Duck. Duck didn't really – he had a short memory as well. Maybe he didn't need that short memory because once he got <laughs> – once the interception started rolling, they started going. But when it came to, like, Mason Rudolph, it's like as soon as – if he had a pick, it was, it was it. It was over. He was being conservative. He wasn't throwing uh, anything further down the field. It was – he became like a uh, he couldn't get the interception out of his mind and, and to see Kenny Pickett throw the interception and then bounce back from it and uh, score two rushing touchdowns was impressive to me. You look at his stat line and you look at the three interceptions and I get it. There are three picks. But when you look at the picks individually, one was a Hail Mary and two were off the hands of a receivers. It, it sheds a different light, so to speak. Now, the 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 decision to throw it to Pat Fryermuth, in my opinion, in that second interception was probably not the best idea or the best decision. But at the end of the day, you have a you have a rookie quarterback making his debut with, you know, not really much preparation going into this game or, or thought that he was going to be the starting or be a uh, be playing in this game uh, at any point. 
you know, you're going to have some growing pains, you know, and, and for those that say, Hey, it's not fair that you, you know, say those type of things and, and not for Mr. Trubisky and give him the benefit of the doubt. What I say to y'all is that Mr. Bisky's not a rookie. He's a six year veteran and was a guy who was expected to be a franchise guy. And so, you know, he has no excuses in my opinion. Now, like I said, I didn't think that Mr. Trubisky lost this job, but I also didn't think he did enough to keep it, so to speak. In my opinion, I don't think he won this job. When you look back um, at the so-called quarterback competition, I think that it was it was very much sided towards Mr. Trubisky from the get-go. And you can you can tell by the fact that the only guy that had been a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the quarterback room from any period of time prior to this season was not being the default QB one at that point. When you see that, that Mason Rudolph, who's been in the, been with the team for going on five years, he's been a, uh, a member of the team. He knows the offense. He knows the players around him and has the most chemistry. And yet the new guys coming in, getting the first team reps, that tells you a lot in that moment. So, you know, you don't have to read too hard between the lines to figure it out that Mr. Trubisky was going to be the starting quarterback this year. And that was the plan. And I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers planned to fail or thought, hey, you know, we're going to go into this season where Mr. Trubisky is not going to be the starting quarterback at, you know, outside of injury, he was going to be the starting quarterback for the whole year unless he, you know, out got played poorly. And like I said, I don't think he played poorly in this game. However, I didn't see him becoming better or or elevating the line of the players around him either. You look at Kenny Pickett, you, you, the stat line that is that's out there that's just popping off the screen is the is the third down conversions. I believe the Steelers were like one for six in the first half with Mr. Trubisky and five for six in the second half. And that one that they didn't get, the Pittsburgh Steelers went on a fourth down and and continued to and and, and got a first down. And so in my opinion, once you look at everything with the context, I think this was a uh, a really good showing by Kenny Pickett. You know, when it came to the decisions, the 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 throws, or yeah, the throws that stick out to me right now are the back shoulder passes that he had with with George Pickens. I mean, those things were beautiful, and it was a beautiful sight to see and, and to see him be decisive and throw the ball accurately was awesome. And then the one that definitely sticks out is with the one where he had pressure in his face, getting tackled to the ground, throws the ball over the middle of the field to Pat Fryermuth, very reminiscent to the throw that he made in Jacksonville in preseason, man, that right there, I'll be honest with you guys. I messaged a few people, Mark Davison, who is um, a member of the, behind the steel curtain family, a couple of other folks that I think the Pittsburgh Steelers got a guy that was a throw and a, uh, a decision and a, in a manner and to stick in there, get up and, and talk a little trash while doing it and showing the moxie, so to speak. And I loved it. That was amazing. I thought to myself, man, the Pittsburgh Steelers got a guy. Now that guy is going to go up against Von Miller and the Buffalo Bills in, in Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York, tomorrow in one of the biggest games of the season. If the Pittsburgh Steelers want to continue and make a playoff run, 
this is a game the Pittsburgh Steelers need. You know, they've dropped three consecutive games in the AFC, nonetheless. So, I mean, this is probably the next thing to a playoff game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they're doing it with a rookie quarterback. Now, last week, in my opinion, the Steelers got away from the running game, which was probably not the smartest idea. I, I think the, Najee was doing well. Jalen Warren was doing well. To to not run the ball in the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead is mind-boggling. You, you, you want to control the ball. You have a rookie quarterback who did not prepare that whole week as the starter. Maybe he thought, hey, I'm going to prepare as a starter, but he didn't get the reps to be the starter. He didn't get the time with the other ones like he would have or like he is this week. But that, that being said, I think he did a fantastic job again. Uh, but going into Orch Park, it's going to be a tough game. Now, in my opinion, there's there's possibly a little path for victory. Now, what the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have to do is they're going to have to maintain the ball and they're going to have to run Najee Harris. And I think that's going to be an emphasis in this game because of the fact, not just because of uh, that's a way of victory and you want to control the game, but also because you have a rookie quarterback making his debut start, but also because you have a Buffalo Bills defense that is fatigued, tired, and spent all last weekend chasing Lamar Jackson for, well, what was it, like over 38 minutes? That was insane. When you look at the time of possession of the Bills versus Ravens game, the Buffalo Bills in a win only possessed the ball for 21 minutes and 50 seconds of that game. And if you guys can remember and go back, and it's not that hard to remember, how amazing the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense was come week one when they were healthy, when they were not tired, when they weren't fatigued. And look at what that one game did to the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. It crippled their, they crippled their defense, the reigning, the reigning um, defensive player, T.J. Watt, out for um, several weeks, put, in, put on IR. You had a team that is fatigued, tired, that hasn't, in my opinion, even with a mini-buy, fully recovered from that game. Well, the Buffalo Bills, if you look at their injury report, is probably as long as the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially on the defense. You have Christian Beneford, that is their cornerback. You have, in my opinion, one of the biggest biggest names on the defense, Tremaine Edmonds, their, their uh, inside linebacker. Two games so far, as of this recording, did not participate in in practice with a hamstring. You have a new one, Cam Lewis, their cornerback with a forearm and a knee. He was well, actually he's back to full participation. I'm sorry, Von Miller got a rest day, so it's not too big of a deal. But their defensive tackles, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, have both been limited this week with one with an ankle and one with a hamstring. And their strong, their safety, Jordan Poyer, who has more interceptions than Minka Fitzpatrick at this point, I believe. He he's been a non-participating, not 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 participating due to rib injury. That's a lot of injuries, especially on their defensive side as well. This could be a, a if the Pittsburgh Steelers play their cards right, and if they run the ball and maintain time of possession and keep this team on the field for another thirty-five minutes or so maybe plus on the field 
This could be a game that the Pittsburgh Steelers could take over in the second half, very similar to what the Patriots did to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I see a path here, guys, and it's going to be a, a low margin of error, and I think the Pittsburgh Steelers understand that. So I honestly don't see Kenny Pickett coming out here and lighting the world on fire by throwing the ball so many times. I was shocked that last week they kept the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter that way with a 10-point lead. However, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers just may have been comfortable with who he is. Another thing is that game plan and that that uh, the plays that were practiced were for Mitch Trubisky, and the game plan probably had a lot more passing in this in that game versus runs. When you look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers like to do and what they practice the most, especially going back into training camp, is situational football. It's the two-minute drill. And in the two-minute drill, there's not a lot of runs in the two-minute drill. So the Pittsburgh Steelers' bread and butter, so to speak, is a short pass game, is a quick pass game to get out, to get fast, to get out of bounds, and to to run the run the field in less than two minutes and score a touchdown. There's not that many running plays in that situation. And so, in my opinion, that's probably why you saw Kenny Pickett throw the ball as much as he did. I mean, you go back to last season, and I brought this up on the uh, Big Big Bros Go show uh, earlier this week, where I told uh, Dave Schofield, I, I asked him, I was like, do you think that when Mason Rudolph came in last year and threw for 40 plus times against the Detroit Lions in a that ended up in a tie, was that because Mason Rudolph prefers to throw the ball? Or do you think that's because the game plan was already done? He didn't come in, you know, Mason Rudolph was, you know, Ben got out on Saturday, the day before the game was declared out due to uh, COVID-19 protocols at the time. And Mason Rudolph was in game plan, practice, walkthrough. Everything had been done except for the final walkthrough. So they had to participate and play this game as if Ben Roethlisberger was back there. This past week, they had a this game was tailored made for Mitch Trubisky. And so this one will be a true idea and example of what the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do. However, I will say this. I did notice and it's been said many times that Kenny Pickett was changing certain things of the play, whether it was the entire play or just protections or or routes or things. And there was things that he was doing that Mitch Trubisky wasn't doing and that the Steelers weren't comfortable with Mitch, I'm, I'm assuming. And so that's interesting to see. And if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to allow that to happen or if they're going to tie him down, so to speak. Now, I think based on the defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers are heading or going up against, they may protect Kenny Pickett there for a little bit and and keep him keep him from throwing so much. And in my opinion, I think that would be the best bet because this is a tired, fatigued defense that the Buffalo Bills have, and so is the Steelers Steelers defense. And the, if the Steelers offense can maintain possession and stay on the field, then that'll do wonders and amazing things for not just the offense, but also for this defense that needs to get a little bit more rest and recovery as well. But it's going to be a tough one, guys. It definitely is. I think that the there's a there's a narrow chance. I still think that the uh, Buffalo Bills are going to pull this out. I think the offensive power and and Josh Allen is going to be too much for this defense. And I think this is going to be a good learning opportunity 
for Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and the fans to see what this offense is going to be like and what the future is going to be like. But this one's going to be a daunting battle, and I still see the Buffalo Bills winning this game 34-24. But I think the Pittsburgh Steelers keep competitive and they stay in this game. Let me know what you guys think. Hit me up on Twitter at State of Steelers. Let me know what your guys' score prediction or what you think about the show. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough game, guys. I hope the Pittsburgh Steelers win. My head says Buffalo Bills. My heart always says the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we'll see. Don't forget to check out all the other uh, Behind the Steel Curtain podcasts. And tomorrow, the final thoughts and final injury report show that comes out with Dave Schofield. Don't forget to see that one and or, or listen to that one and check them out. With that being said, guys, that's all I got for y'all today. Here we go, Steelers. I know I went a little bit long on this one, but it, Kenny Pickett's your quarterback, and I'm excited, guys. I'm sure you guys are. Can't wait for tomorrow's show. Here we go, Steelers. Let's go. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.